Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. Hope you're having a, uh, what day is it today? A wicked Wednesday? Uh, yes, indeed. You can text us at 780-496-0063 on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. We will tell you that guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse, whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply saving a night of the town. Every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. All right, let's get right to it. We're going to head off to the River Cree Resort Casino. By the way, Roos Chris is open Wednesday through Sunday from 5 p.m. until 10 p.m. And we welcome back to the show longtime Washington Capital player and broadcaster Edmonton area product Al May. Al, how you doing? I'm doing great, Bob. Good to be back with you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we haven't had you on for about probably since right around uh, free agency period. Uh, in fact, that I think that was the last time we had you on, which would have been in July 28th. Um, quiet down in the states. I mean, here we could, you know, we have a year-round show called Oilers Now. Like you can talk hockey. Every, in fact, when I used to host a show called Total Sports, people used to complain, "Talk more Oilers." So that's kind of how it works, but. Where's your headspace at right now? You gearing back up for another season? Well, I wish I was, but you know the biggest thing right now is the hockey season so far away, and in the United States, especially in the South, I'm down in Texas right now. Is hockey's dead in the summer, kind of like it should be, really? And uh, we get back when you know everyone talks about getting athletes to play, you know, these youth hockey players to play baseball, soccer, basketball, lacrosse, all these other sports, but. Really down in the states, it's 100 degrees today where I'm at. No one's talking hockey other than a few of my buddies that track everything. That maybe the Islanders made some news today, and you just look at that. But you know, as we get closer to October, I think it really starts to ramp up down here, and you know, people are they start clamoring for the game again, a lot like we did as youth hockey players. You know, when it's over in the spring, back when we were growing up, we we're kind of ready for a break. You play a little more street hockey till the Stanley Cup Finals were over, and then you got on with your other sports and. Yeah. By the end of the summer, you wanted to play hockey again. Uh, now, conversely, since you're in Texas, you know, Steve Sarkeesian now coaching the Longhorns. He, of course, uh, former, uh, you know, excellent offensive guru, was involved with Alabama's program uh, as they had one of the most dominant NCAA championship seasons of all time. There really is, I mean, as much passion as there is for hockey in a market like Edmonton, it's reinforced in the South with football, college football in the Southeast and all types of football in Texas. Isn't that the case, Al? Well, absolutely. And, you know, right now at the high schools, uh, they're going already and they started playing their games last Friday. And they've got monster stadiums in the area where I live. Allen, Texas, McKinney, Texas have 
stadiums that put, you know, most CFL stadiums to shame, to tell you the truth. And you just look at uh, what goes on here at the collegiate level. The SEC uh, dominates down here. Uh, I know I've got games penciled in on my schedule, college football games to go to. Just the environment is so electric. And it's, uh, if you haven't been, it's the kind of thing you really need. If you're a huge sports fan, a college football fan, it's the kind of things you need to put on your bucket list because it's absolutely amazing. Uh, how people get behind their schools? Yeah, well, we got—I mean, we got two massive games this weekend. I mean, you got Miami, uh, who was a powerhouse in the '80s and the '90s, taking on, and I guess now they had a bit of a run in the early 2000s, but taking on Alabama and then Clemson and Georgia, and they'll get huge viewership numbers. We're joined by Al May. Uh, Al, you, you talk a bit about uh, the fact that you know the youth hockey players and the length of the season now, and certainly it's the—I mean, I—you know—we've got the BioSteel camp taking place for NHL guys. When did you start skating again in the summer to get ready for training camp, or did you not skate at all until training camp when you well, played? Well, actually, you know, the whole group of guys from my age group, we used to have a phenomenal group of players that skated uh, at the old Winterburn Arena, and it was kind of like skating on wave, frozen waves. And uh, we, we would dabble in it, but near the end of the summer, we'd go the third week, I guess the – the second week of August, you'd start gearing up. You know, we'd skate. I'd skate at the U of A. Used to skate in the Kevin Primo camps to get ready for uh, the season, or skate with my power skating coach Audrey Bakewell. But uh, now it just seems like no one gets a break because the training's so intense. And I was always kind of on an island by myself doing my workouts, and everyone kind of made fun of me. Played golf, but you know, most of the guys that made fun of me and were out playing golf never played in the NHL, even though they were high draft picks. But uh, you know, you ha- I think you have to. Give your body a break because the training now, because the players, you really, this is a fact. The, the, the players before the games, what they do to get ready every game and every practice, most of the players in my generation would pull muscles and would be out a month at a time. And, you know, it, it's just a completely different animal now. There's so much more science behind it. Teams have strength coaches. Uh, when I was in the NHL, there were no strength coaches until I got to Washington. Uh, they had a full-time guy from the University of Maryland. And, uh, you know, and that was 1989, and the majority of teams really didn't have anyone. And so players were added on their own. And a lot of guys who have messed up hips and knees and backs now, they attributed to the old training programs that they used to put themselves on. It was kind of like a, a bodybuilder 101, and they would do things like that. And it was just bad for the science of the body. And now you have, you know, so many people. I grew up and played youth hockey with Simon Bennett uh, in Edmonton. And look what he's turned himself into. Yeah. And, you know, he's... He's busy year-round, so it's a completely different sport now than when I played. I'd say the guys are more athletes. Back when I played, I was just a bunch of oddballs that played hockey, but now I'd say they're more true athletes, the players that play. Uh, Simon was a little bit, you know, he, he wasn't exactly the toughest guy, as I recall, when he played for the Canadian Athletic Club. I wouldn't he's going to... Oh, no, he, no he, he, was, he, was, he was a tiny, pretty hockey player. He, he wasn't... <laughs> yeah, yeah he, 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 was, he was a nice skater, but... The frame on that guy wasn't meant to go too far in hockey back in the old days. But and uh, you know he 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 picked the right path. Well, no, but it, it's interesting because you know his type of fitness is that that's how play like you talked about it. I mean, you guys guys lifted heavier and worked out heavier than today. There's there's no I mean, and people say, what are you talking about, Stoffer? What's the last time you've been? I used to work out at Body by Bennett, okay, and I was a little bit taken aback at how little actual weight work was done. You know what I mean, Al? 
Yeah, well, you know, I think there's a fine line now where players are at with all the different training, and there's interval training, uh, all the single leg movements. There were no single leg workouts back. Uh, when I when I was in junior hockey, my first year of pros, it was all squat. It was deadlifts. Yeah. And, there were, you know, there were no side lunges. There were no Bulgarian split squats. All the different things you have right now, forward lunges, reverse lunges, you name it. Uh, you know, the the one leg of strength is critically important to guys' curb because you're you're really skating one, one leg at a time as you're striding down the ice and the explosiveness that you need. So it, it's evolved. It, it's completely evolved. People got away from it for a little while. You know, some of the teams were doing, you know, the football workouts still in the 90s, and they had, you know, a plethora of back injuries. And then teams that rode the bike too much, they had all types of groin, lower back, and knee injuries. So, you know, I think it's evolved, just like, you know, the science of, you know, spotting concussions and treating all of that. Uh, the game's evolved in so many different areas. Al, was there one guy that was just shredded that was ahead of his time in terms like I heard that James Patrick as a combination in terms of diet and how he worked out was a, a guy that was you know uh, probably 10 to 15 years ahead of his time anybody that you came across as a player well you know what uh, there was always myself because I over I overtrained so much but I played with James in Calgary and he was built like a guy that did yoga all the time and he, he was seldomly injured and, you know, the majority of guys, I just remember the first time I saw Marty McSorley. He looked like a football player, like an NFL tight end. He, he was huge. He was bulky. And he needed to be for the way that he played. But, you know, I, I always tell everyone that my first training camp was at the Boston Bruins in 1986 or 87. And there were 65 guys in training camp. And I bet you 50 of those guys were overweight and out of shape. And I think we had 13 preseason games, something absolutely ridiculous. You went on the ice twice a day. And guys use that as a fat reduction time. And training camp just felt like it lasts forever. And you're just dying to play a game. And now, you know, I know the Capitals, who I cover and have covered for so long, they, they get to camp, and three days later, they're playing in their first game. And then again, these games are very casual. They're almost embarrassing. I don't think they should be played the way they are. And uh, back when I was playing, and it, it was uh, downright scary. Uh, with some of the teams and the stories that I heard of the old flyers and New Jersey training camps were very barbaric and uh, they were absolute wars. And, and now they're playing games three days in and guys are making sure they're not hurting each other on the other team. And, you know, just once again, everything is completely different than when I played the game. And, uh, you know, you kind of have to evolve with it and uh, training camps, not as grueling as it used to be. You're only allowed to be there three hours a day. Uh, there's a lot of stretching. There's a lot of maintenance, and they're not they're not killing the guys. They do some off ice tests to see who actually worked, and the majority of the guys do put their work in in the summer. We're joined right now by longtime NHL player Al May, current Washington Capitals broadcaster. All right, Al, uh, you're down in Texas. They just reenacted the mass bylaw here at Edmonton. Uh, Texas made its uh, own noise last night uh, with a, a change of an abortion law, which uh, we're not going to get into. But I, I, I do want to ask, how open is it right now where you're at now in Texas? Uh, you know what? Right now, I, I, you know what? I, I, I've seen people just at my health club, half the people had masks on. There is social distancing. Uh, I would think the respect factor is there. Um, I still see people driving around in their cars. I was in California last week with my daughter, and, and I saw more than half the people driving in their cars with masks on, so they couldn't all have been Uber drivers. 
uh, you know, it, it's just completely different. And it's everyone's got their ways. I think in, in Texas, from what I've seen, they've been respectful. When I was in D.C., people were respectful. I think some were absolutely crazy. Uh, you know, basically walking across the street when they saw someone coming down the street and they both had masks on. So if it was that dangerous, we wouldn't be allowed out of the house at all. But uh, I would think the respect factor is there for the most part. And once again, the news is all about dividing people right now. Uh, all I know is that people are getting along down here. My ex-wife is a head ER nurse for a chain of hospitals. And uh, it's just business as usual right now. And they're taking care of people as they come in. And uh, you know, she doesn't have the the alarm going, uh, and it's not it's not been code red. So it's uh, it's just you know one of those things we have to continue to get through. And I think in you know three, four, five, six years we'll get the real facts on all of this, and then see what you really need to do next time. Hopefully, this never happens again. All right. Well, uh, the question I'm going to put you on the spot here, a bit on the hockey front here, because I'm not. Uh, this this is going to be interesting here, and people can uh, jam in, and you can text us on our Ashley Fine Floors text line at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We had a taxi squad last year, Al, and uh, you know most of the teams. There's going to be an expectation for the fans that if they uh, you know want to be in the building, they have to have proof of vaccination. Uh, in the case of Edmonton at Rogers Place, or a negative test within uh, 48 hours. Uh, of the event, uh, which is going to be a, you know, it's, it's going to make things interesting and challenging. But I wonder from a player's perspective here, are we going to, I'm not sure the 23 man roster is necessarily going to work. Do we maybe need to look at a potential hybrid situation with the taxi squad? Last year, what do we have? A six man taxi squad that you could deploy. I wonder whether or not maybe they need to have a three man taxi squad just to cover themselves off in case, and I, it is my expectation that uh, you know the majority of NHL teams would be above 85% vaccinated. Okay, that, that would be kind of my, if I was to hazard a guess, I would say 85% uh, would be fully vaxxed. Uh, but do, could you see, you know, a, a scenario here where maybe the, the league has to mend the rules a little bit just to cover themselves off here in case there is uh, outbreaks with teams? Well, I guarantee, I think the NHL, this is one thing they really deserve a lot of credit on. Uh, they they were far ahead of this last summer. All the, all those teams, all the personnel, the people working in the environments in Edmonton and Toronto, and no one had COVID, no one tested positive. I thought that was absolutely spectacular, the level, level of commitment from everyone. And as we went on through the season, we saw different teams get hit at different times. And, I, you know, you don't know how it happened. New Jersey and Buffalo seem to have the worst outbreak as two teams together. Uh, the Capitals had, you know, their problems at the start of the year, and it kind of put everyone on alert to, hey, you got to you got to do the right thing here. You got to make sure you're distancing from your teammates. And the problem with the teammate thing, and the there is that, you know, what is the wife doing? What is the girlfriend? What is your, you know, your your partner doing? You know, when you're not playing, so you know, kids are going to school. There's so many different ways, but I believe that the NHL does have a plan in place, and, and they're waiting. They're they're not going to, you know, go preemptive with it, but I know that from what I've seen in the last year, how well they prepared, that they don't just they don't get surprised, and they've had they have plans in place, and we could see it by the time they get to training camp, or we'll say, well, let's go October first. There could be a board of governors meeting, uh, and they're going to say, hey, this is how we're going to have to do it. Uh, you know, some teams are going to use it to manipulate the salary cap, all the different things. And But once again, I, I think the, the precedent of safety for everyone, not just the players and, and the people that work within the teams and the buildings, but the fans as well, 
And I honestly believe that the NHL has done a very good job and they will have plans in place just in case. Yeah, I think they're going to have to get creative here. Again, just just if you take a look at things, uh, you know, a Canadian team that's got an American farm team. Edmonton's in that situation. How far is Hershey, by the way, from Washington, D.C.? It's a two-and-a-half, three-hour drive. Yeah. It's, it, it's an easy one. It's like going Edmonton to Calgary, basically. Yeah. So and, uh, you know, so a lot of times... You know, we get word that a player wasn't on the ice in Hershey uh, the day before practice, which basically means he's on his way to Washington and he's, you know, playing, you know, skating in the morning, skate the next morning. So, you know, the East Coast teams, uh, and I'd say from, you know, Raleigh on up, have a distinct advantage, you know, with the call ups on the farm teams and, uh, you know, some of the Canadian teams, the Western Canadian ones, you know, Edmonton and Calgary. Their players are so far away. You've got to go through borders. There's different ways of transport. And they're not going to do a private jet every time they need players because most of the time at this stage in the career of the players that are playing the American League, they're marginal players. They're not really going to affect the outcome of the game or a win yeah. or a loss that much. So, you know, it, it's just everyone has to adapt. And once again, it's going to be on the general managers to be on their toes uh, and always in constant communication with their American Hockey League team. And, you know, one of the things with the Washington Capitals, they, they didn't use one player outside their organization last year. You know, when Hershey needed players, when Hershey players went up to Washington or there were injuries, you know, they have their team in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, the South Carolina Stingrays. They have all their players under contract, and, and they just stay within the family. Not every team's allowed to do that, and the Caps are always on their toes with that. And I can't speak to other teams, but you see a lot of nights where teams are, are shorthanded players, and I think it's just a matter of, you know, t- teams really have to be on the ball with all of this to make sure that, you know, their American League players have enough player on the roster every night. Uh, you know, the ECHL thing, I think that needs to be used a lot more by the by the teams in the American Hockey League so that they have true commitments and, and true relationships with their minor league teams a lot like baseball does. All right, one final one for you. The Carolina Hurricanes make a uh, one-year $6.1 million offer sheet on Jesperi Kokaniemi. Uh, the wording on the tweet that Carolina put out almost identical to the Sebastian Ajo uh, tweet that the Montreal Canadiens put out when they uh, put the uh, offer sheet on him. Ajo is a legitimate NHL star, uh, $8.4 million a year. He, uh, you know, a lot of that money was front-loaded, like $20 bucks. That was within the range of what Marner and Matthews got. So, to me, that was a legitimate offer on behalf of the uh, uh, Canadians. We've had some people say the Canadians should have gone, you know, higher on Ajo and, and forced the issue. I got to tell you, for me on Cockney Al, if it's me, if I'm, if I'm Mark Bergevin, I'm saying go ahead, take him. He's yours. What would you do in that situation if you're the Canadians? Well, the big things, I think these two teams, I honestly think they've been in cahoots together with all of this because you look at all the people, the personnel that work. Mark Bergevin worked with Don Waddell and Rick. Was lowballing Ajo. I watch Ajo a ton. I think Carolina is one of the most exciting and spectacular teams in the National Hockey League. Uh, they play the game fast. Their pressure, their coach is absolutely amazing. It doesn't matter who they have in the lineup. They're tough to play against. But I really believe that Ajo is the true superstar of that team. Right. And when you see him play on a day-in, day-out basis, that softball offer by Montreal, that was way too low. And I okay. just think that was a way of getting that contract in. So I, I still think there was funny business between the two teams. Hmm. And maybe the owner of the Hurricanes is the only guy that doesn't know. 
Would I let him go if I was Bergevin? Yeah. Uh, I love the player. He had his first breakout game in the NHL against the Caps where he scored a couple. Uh, and I was covering the game in Montreal, and I, I was like, wow, this kid really got going. And, you know, he, I thought he played a lot better under Ducharme than he did under Julian, and as a lot of players did, and uh, opened up his game a lot more. But, you know, there's a lot of potential there, but, you know, we're always waiting on players with potential to, to get there. But, you know, they do a great job with fans, and I think the problem is with Carolina is he's going to look really good there playing with that group of players. You know, it's an offense first team. It's a pressure team. They don't just sit back and wait for you to come at them a lot like Montreal was doing. Uh, so that, that's, they're going to look bad if they do let him go. But at the same time, you know, they're really short on centerman. He scored just five goals last year. It's a tough call. And, you know, where the contract would be the next year, I don't know. But, you know, this is all about saving face right now. But really, for Montreal, with their cap predicament right now, you're probably better off letting them go and just going out there and grabbing a couple of veterans for the time being to get through something and uh, on some short money. Al, great stuff. As always, appreciate your time. Hopefully you get a chance to get in a little bit of college football. We'll touch base in a few weeks, okay? Take care, stuff. You bet. That is Al May, longtime Washington Capitals broadcaster, 1253 in Edmonton. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, we'll take a quick timeout. Uh, we got some stuff to get to when we return, including a couple of texts. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chat. All right, welcome back, everybody. It's 1254 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. And I want to mention to you, we all deserve a holiday. Some of us just got back from one. Maybe not quite the holiday thought they were going to be on because of some of the limitations in British Columbia right now. But New West Travel has got a special VIP trip for you if you avoid uh, the central Okanagan. A VIP trip for you in Vancouver. Take a loved one and join New West Travel on a three-night getaway. Spectacular Vancouver. New West Travel's package includes... Airfare and a private WestJet charter with complimentary open bar and meals. Departing from a private terminal. Three nights in a deluxe four-star hotel, all for just $6.99. Visit Stanley Park, stroll the beaches, shop or dine in this beautiful waterfront city. You need a holiday this September. Space is limited. You can give New West Travel a rip at newwesttravel.com. Into the Ashley Fine Floors text line. And KDK says, how are you today, Bob? Well, not bad. And Tomash Hurdle is available. The order should consider trading Yamamoto, Koskinen, and at least a first-round pick to acquire Hurdle. San Jose is rebuilding, and with Hurdle's request to be moved, they are dealing from a position of weakness. Hurdle would give the Oilers the best top six in the NHL and make them a true contender in the Western Conference. If needed, the Oilers could also take back a goaltender from San Jose. This is the kind of move that reflects a team trying to win, as the Oilers have indicated they are trying to do. It's a price to pay for a pending UFA, however. I'm sure winning would help in keeping the player, at least buy you some time for a young prospect to develop. That one comes to us from KDK. Hmm. Um, so $4.5 
What's Hurdles AAV, by the way? Just off the top of just wondering, throwing that out there right now. Edmonton and San Jose, have, have they made a lot of significant trades over the years? Not, I don't think too often. Uh, Tomash Hurdle is a $5.625 million cap hit. So the math makes sense in terms of the Koskinen and Yamamoto numbers. The problem with Hurdle is, well, he had a signing bonus of $2 bucks, which he's already been paid. So he's only $3.5 million in base salary. So $5.625 million. What's he going to get? 6 or $7 million bucks a year free, uh, in free agency? And you don't control his rights. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know. Would you give up what amounts to two number ones to get Hurdle, who's a pending UFA? I think that might be a tad risky. Uh, I do know that uh, what the Sharks attempted to do with a couple of their free agents is, and and look, Hurdle will be the number. He'll be the star of free agency. By the way, they have Aiden Hill, who. Uh, signed a two-year deal with them, and they also signed James Reimer. Those are the two goaltenders that they've got. So I, in that scenario where you're saying you'd move Koskinen, obviously Reimer would be coming back. That's an interesting idea, KDK. i got to say that. I think I think it's fair to appreciate that there was some thought into that text. Again, you can text us at any time at 780-496-0063. David Staples coming up from the Cult of Hockey. And he's also the provincial affairs writer for Post Media here in town. We'll hear from him after a global news weather traffic update with Kevin Robertson. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.